It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 4th, 2019. My name is Philip Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's win over the Washington Wizards, a 127-120, to not a typo in either case. Victory for the Orlando Magic over the Washington Wizards. We'll talk a little bit about the big homecoming and then probably end the show talking a little bit about Wednesday's game against the Phoenix Suns. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Or wherever you download podcasts, actually. Just like there's a podcast coming in Orlando Magic with, with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on the Suns? Check out Locked on Suns. Brendan Clean does a fantastic job covering the Phoenix Suns on that podcast. It is definitely a pot, one of my favorite Locked on podcasts. You can look ahead perhaps to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday. Check out Locked on Cavs or get the Wizards side of Tuesday's game with a listen to Locked On Wizards. No matter who your favorite team is, your second favorite team is, the team you love to hate, or the team you're just a little bit interested in, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Plus, we have our national podcast, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Projecting the Screen, and the Duncan and Hollinger NBA podcast. There is a podcast for literally every interest that you might have, whether it's NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college podcasts too. You can find them all wherever you download podcasts. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. I'm pretty sure I sat here for Tuesday's episode and said the one thing that the Orlando Magic could not do against the Washington Wizards was get into a track meet. That they had to really control the pace, they had to to defend the three-point line well, they had to make sure they didn't turn the ball over. They largely did those two things, but... Getting into a track meet with the Wizards would probably not work out well for Orlando because they are not a great scoring team. I don't care how bad the Wizards' defense is because the Warriors' defense was pretty bad and Orlando struggled to score against them at home. There's no sign of fatigue from the Wizards. It was just they're not good at defense. And the Magic came out pretty much ready to play. Not only ready to play, they came out firing. They came out scoring. And they never really let up. Maybe a small stretch in the set, in the third quarter when they gave up the lead. They had an 18-point lead that was 14 at halftime and allowed the Wizards to score, I think it was 16 of the first 18 points of the third quarter. The Wizards made their first eight shots in the third quarter, ended up taking a one-point lead. But from there, Orlando had the game on lockdown. Orlando played just enough defense. And the defense was generally okay when they were able to get set in the half court. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it fantastic. They obviously gave up 120 points. But it was just enough. They got just enough to support an offense that the Wizards, frankly, were not interested in stopping. The Wizards were playing without Thomas Bryant and without Moritz Wagner. And so they were undermanned, severely 
undermanned, in fact. To the point where they had really no presence on the inside. And so Orlando went on the attack. Whether it was Markel Fultz driving the lane, whether it's DJ Augustine driving the lane, whether it's Aaron Gordon posting up or Fultz posting up or Terrence Ross coming off curls there or Jonathan Isaac even driving the lane a little bit. There was no one to stop Orlando and their offense flowed and moved very well. Every time the Magic needed a big shot, they found it. Whether it was Evan Fournier hitting a tough corner, corner three or Terrence Ross coming around to screen to the elbow and hitting a shot. Everything flowed and everything worked for the Orlando Magic. Plain and simple. I mean, really no other way to describe it. Everything worked for the Orlando Magic. And, of course, when the offense comes that easily, you do expect to see some defensive slippage. I don't know if you could call it complete defensive slippage because the Wizards are very good at making three-pointers and and their, and their offense is designed where if you step under a screen, they will just shoot it. And they're never out of a game. Orlando had an 18-point lead late in the first half and they let that slip away. They grew it back out to 10, 11, 12 and that's kind of where it stayed for much of the fourth quarter, I would say. You know, maybe the Wizards made a run here or there, but... Unlike that game in Orlando, the Wizards never were able to make that big run to truly overtake the lead because, frankly, Washington just relies on the three-point shot too much, and they were 12 for uh, twelve for 33, I believe, from beyond the arc, so not a great percentage. Dangerous, but Orlando did a good job limiting their three-point makes. The three-point state, three-pointers they did make did hurt. The Washington finishes 12 for 35 from beyond the arc. They shoot 50.6%, so Orlando certainly... Gave up a little too much. Davis Bertans was 4 for 12 from beyond the arc by himself. Jeez. But Orlando had the plays and had the answers and frankly just never stopped scoring. Except for that stretch early in the third quarter, Orlando never stopped scoring. There were season-high games all across the board. Season-high in points, of course, the first time the Magic shot better than 50% in any game this season. A season and career-high for, for Markel Fultz. 18 for Aaron Gordon. We'll get into the stats in a bit here. A season high for DJ Augustine. Evan Fournier with another 30-point game. Everything flowed and everything worked. And frankly, when that's happening, it doesn't really matter how much you defend as long as you defend just enough. The Magic's defense, I don't think it was terrible by any stretch. Um, It wasn't good. They gave up a little bit too much into the paint. Some of that because the Magic were the bigger team and and gave that up. Some of that they were helping and hedging a little too much or got a little too turnover happy. I mean, Washington only turned the ball over 10 times and Orlando was chasing steals perhaps a little bit too much. But again, Orlando did what it had to do to win. And they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. They got to the line for 27 free throws, a lot of them coming in the second half. That helped pace the team throughout the entire game because Washington wasn't getting to the line. Washington wasn't able to attack like that. Orlando closed down the offensive glass. And when Orlando wasn't giving up threes, Washington's offense you know, couldn't produce at the same level as Orlando's, which is a scary thing to say because that this is just how bad Washington's defense is at this point. Where Orlando was able to get everything to work. And really, almost every player had a big moment in this game. The Magic won 127-120, to 120, and frankly, that, that's really all that needs to be said about it. The Magic were able to outscore the Washington Wizards and do really all they needed to do defensively to make sure they won. 
It's a special game for for Markel Fultz, and we'll get into that here in a bit. But it was just a a a, a game where the Magic played the way that they had to play to win. They played. They had to play the way the Wizards wanted them to play, and they still won the game because they were able to defend just enough. They were able to force some turnovers. They were able to at key moments. They were able to contest threes really, really well for the most part. There was some slippage there. It wasn't perfect, um, but they were able to do what they needed to do. And now they can move on to Wednesday's game against the Phoenix Suns. Before we get into the stats, though, I got to tell you a little bit about Audible. It has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening to Audible with a 30-day trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. If you're listening on the go, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Again, if you can't visit Audible right now, check check out all our sponsors on the Locked On Podcast Network at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Let's run through that final box score for you real fast before we talk a little bit about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Evan Fournier leads the way with 31 points, 11 for 18 shooting. Again, 6 for 8 from beyond the arc. Um, Fournier is getting whatever shot he wants at this point, and especially when he's playing against weaker defenses. I mean, the Toronto Raptors obviously did a number on him. The Detroit Pistons, not a bad team, did a number on him too. Um, I think that was back when he was still figuring out how he needed to play, but Fournier's really figured a lot of stuff out, and he's in just a really unbelievable groove. Um, some of the shots Fournier was making in this game were just are just really difficult shots. He had one shot where Fultz kind of left him hanging. He, he fed him the ball late in the shot clock in the deep corner. The Wizards were didn't really know what to do, and Fournier just kind of steps back and takes a a really difficult fading away three, and he just drains it. And, and that was really not the only time he had a shot like that. Um, he's working so well off the dribble. I mean, the one thing that I think we can certainly say that he's added is is a little bit of a step back uh, off the dribble three-pointer, which which I don't think he had last year. He's really doing a good job creating. I think his passing is really, really good. Um, he didn't total, he didn't tally an assist in this game. Uh, he tallied only three assists in this game, but... I felt like Fournier did a really good job moving the ball and does a really good job generally moving the ball. Um, I don't think that he's taking these shots outside of the rhythm of the offense for the most part. I mean, some of them, maybe late shot clock situations or kind of bailout situations he's having to create a little bit more for himself. Uh, but overall, I think these shots are coming within the rhythm of the offense and and, and at a point where he can take guys off the dribble or, or attack in, in, in meaningful ways. And, and you know, the... Magic are doing a good job setting him up in pick and rolls and, and getting getting the ball in places where he can score. Um, but Fournier is doing a lot of the work too, and and he certainly it certainly feels like he understands that that there's a responsibility for him to do that, and, and he's he's doing it. Um, and, and again, the results really speak for themselves. In 35 minutes, he scores 31 points, 11 for 18 shooting, three six for eight from beyond the arc. He, he's playing efficiently too, which is which is a real marvel of what Fournier has done over the last two weeks now. Um, it, it's it's been. A really fantastic effort from Evan Fournier. I, I, I think, you know, I, I've seen a lot of Magic Twitter say, you know, you know, whatever you said about Fournier in the past, no Fournier slander right now. This dude is carrying the team. He's making shots that are just like 
unbelievable shots that he sh- that, that really should not be going in. So credit to Evan Fournier. He's in a really good groove right now. He's had to step up in a big way for this team, and he has stepped up in a big way for this team. We'll talk a little bit more about Markel Fultz's night here in just a bit, but Markel Fultz, 20 points, a career high, first time scoring 20 points or more in a game, 9 for 17 shooting, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, uh, 4 turnovers, 2 steals, so a little bit of a mixed bag. He was able to get into the paint whenever he really wanted. Sometimes he did get trapped, sometimes he did drive a little bit too deep, but um, at the same time, he's getting to the rim, he's finishing around the basket so you know, relatively efficiently. Um, you know, he's getting into his mid-range jumper. He's shooting, I think, 47% on mid-range jumpers, which is a high enough percentage that you don't mind him shooting mid-range jumpers. I know there's this big debate among among kind of NBA Twitter and NBA stat heads about whether the mid-range jumper is truly dead. And, and I think the smart people have always said, it's not that the mid-range jumper is, is dead and that you shouldn't shoot mid-range jumpers. It's that, statistically at least, you have to shoot them at a high enough rate to make it worth it. A guy like LaMarcus Aldridge or even DeMar DeRozan, they shoot their long twos well enough that it is worth as much as a three. I mean, you're looking at points per possession. If you're shooting 33% from three, you know, let's say, you know, you get 10 shots and you're shooting 33% from three, that's nine points in 10 shots, you know, to get, if you're shooting two, two pointers, you know, that's four or five four or five two-pointers for every for every 10 shots. So that's kind of the math that, that's really at work here. So if you're shooting your mid-range jumper, so Fultz is shooting, let's, let's, let's make it even. He's shooting 50% on his, on his three-point, on his uh, mid-range shots. So he's five for 10 on mid-range shots. That's like he's shooting essentially three three-pointers. Um, so if you get that get that math, um, you know that's that's kind of where it's where 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 it's coming from. So if you're shooting those shots, you know shots efficiently enough, shoot them. And Marco Fultz right now is shooting those shots efficiently enough that you know he's able to work off the dribble to get into his fadeaway jumper and keep defenses off balance. I mean, again, his shooting is going to determine just how good he can be. And 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 we'll talk about him here in a, in a bit, a little bit more. I, I don't want to ruin too much of it, but Fultz is doing such a good job getting to the basket kind of running the team. There's still some hiccups on that front, but generally running the team and getting the team getting the team moving and, and really just forcing action because he's such a good passer too that it is freeing up everything. And Orlando, especially in that first half, did such a good job passing the ball. And a lot of it had to do with Fultz's ability to get into the lane and with Fultz's ability to whip the ball out to the three-point line or out to the center who could then pass it to the three-point line as the defense kind of shifted and tried to cover for the hole that, that Fultz created by by gashing the defense that way. So Fultz, a really, really strong game in this one. I, I, I don't think we can speak highly enough about him. Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 7 for 15 shooting, 2 for 5 from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, 2 assists in this one. Got his shot back a little bit after two difficult performances since coming back. It was good to see the ball go into the basket for him. I thought he did a good job attacking the glass. I thought he did a good job generally attacking the, the paint and getting into the lane. Um, his post-up game, I think he's still relying a little bit too much on his fadeaway. This is a, this was a smaller team. There are a few times where I wanted him to kind of power his way a little bit more into the lane and shoot toward the hoop rather than away from the hoop. Um, but overall, I, you know, I think Gordon took a good step Good step, you know, good to see the ball go into the basket, and obviously he produced some points. Defense, I mean, no one was really that great defensively, individually in this game. Um, you know, Bomb, uh, Birch had some nice plays defensively uh, with two blocks. You know, Isaac was okay. I mean, everyone was just kind of scrambled, so I don't want to say too much about them defensively. Uh, speaking of Isaac, only 11 points for him, one for six from beyond the arc, just kind of a bad shooting night for him. Overall, two blocks, though. Also had two turnovers, so something to keep an eye on there. He's, he's working more off the dribble. He's looking to more, attack more 
off the dribble, and so we're seeing him turn the ball over a little bit more as he's get he gets caught kind of going in the wrong direction. DJ Augustine, though, off the bench, his best offensive game of the year, 24 points, 7 for 9 shooting, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc, 6 for 7 from the foul line, 6 rebounds, only 1 assist. Uh, with Michael Carter-Williams back in the lineup, and Carter-Williams played 12, uh, about 13 minutes, had 5 points, 5 assists, 3 turnovers, so a little bit rusty, but you could still kind of see the impact that he made. Playing Michael Carter-Williams with DJ Augustine, when Carter-Williams had the ball in his hands, Augustine was able to work off the ball more, and the same goes when Augustine's on the floor with Fultz. Um, I, I think that when when Augustine's on the floor with those guys, he has to work off the ball because he's a great spot-up shooter. And I think the one thing that he hasn't done or that hasn't happened this year is I don't think Augustine's spot-up shots have been the same, not the same quality. I don't think he's gotten the same amount of spot-up shots that he got last year. Um, he is probably the Magic's best three-point shooter. Um, and, and I think that... Um, he struggled to shoot this year, and I think that's a big reason why we've we've noted his struggles so much. Is so much of his value is derived from his offense and from his shooting ability. That when that's not happening, you begin to really see some of his defensive struggles. You know, sometimes how he struggles a little bit running the offense, especially when he doesn't have talented players around him. When he doesn't have the best talent around him, um, and so I think Augustine's struggles have been related to that. And tonight, he made his shots. Um, you know, I think the Magic did a good job moving him off the ball a little bit more, letting him get shots, letting him create a little bit for his for of his own shot like that off the ball like that, and I think it helped him tremendously to have such a strong game. Orlando overall, Terrence Ross also had 14 points on 4 for 8 shooting, another solid shooting performance from him after a good game against the Warriors, so good to see him get back-to-back good games. And again, efficient shooting, 50% from from the 3, 50% from the 2, did a good job as well um, overall, you know, fouled a 3-point shooter at one point, which isn't good, but, but um, no one played good defense in this game, individually at least. Orlando shoots 51.1% from the floor. It is the first time this year the Magic have shot more than 50% in a game. 15 for 31 from beyond the arc, so big ups there. 20 for 27 from the foul line, another big thing for Orlando. They have 26 assists off 46 field goal makes, a number that probably the Magic want to get get up, but Orlando was making so many shots this game, it did not really matter. Washington is led scoring by Bradley Beal with 42 points. They get 20 points from Isaiah Thomas, 21 from Davis Bertans, but that is not enough. Uh, Wizards, again, struggled to defend. They struggled to stop the Magic from beginning the paint. They struggled to keep the Magic off the foul line in the second half, and that really allowed Orlando to extend their lead back out after they gave up the 18-point lead early in the second, early in the third quarter. The Orlando Magic defeat the Washington Wizards 127-120. to They'll turn around and play the Phoenix Suns immediately on Wednesday. The Suns coming off a really odd game against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the, the Suns were up by 20 at the half. They gave up that lead. They trailed by seven with about two minutes to play. And then Kelly Oubre just went on a three-point barrage to deliver the win for the Phoenix Suns. So they they pulled a win at, you know, out of nowhere against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the Suns, I would say, are a team that thrives a lot on turnovers. Um, they, they are a team that will, just like the Wizards, just like the Raptors we've seen, just like a lot of teams, if you turn the ball over against them, they are going to run right back at you. And that's where their, their shooters uh, are really going to kill you. What I think this team did does struggle against is when you set your defense up and you're able to stop them and challenge and contest their three-pointers, they're going to really struggle. Um, they, they are prone to make mistakes. They are prone to get a little bit frustrated, um, but they, they have players who could get hot in Oubre and in Booker. Um, the big thing, though, for the Magic heading into this game is Phoenix is going to come in hurt, and Phoenix is going to come in small. Aaron Baines is officially ruled out for this game, so the Suns will be starting Frank Kaminsky at center. He is a three-point shooting center, so he's going to stretch the Magic out to the three-point line, just like starting Davis Bertans stretched the Magic out to the three-point line in Tuesday's game. 
Um, so again, I, I, I said this entering the Washington game, if there's a game where the Magic might go small if things go wrong or, or if they feel like they need to match up better, playing Isaac at center is certainly a possibility in this game because I, I don't think Kaminsky's going to harm anyone in the, on the low block, if, especially if Isaac's defending them. Um, but I, I would say Phoenix is a little bit more disciplined. And I think the big question mark now is whether Ricky Rubio is going to play. It's not Rubio played on Monday against the Hornets, but it's not clear if he's going to play Wednesday against the Sun, against the Magic, as he struggled with some injury. And I think Rubio would be a huge difference. Number one, he's a really good defender, uh, and I think he would be, do a much better defensive job on Markel Fultz than Ty Jerome or Tyler Johnson will. And I think Tyler Johnson might be hurt. He didn't, I, don't, I didn't see him play in Monday's game when I watched it. Um, but I, I think that that that's going to be a huge difference in this game because if, if the Suns can keep Markel Fultz out of the paint of the Magic... The Suns don't have a rim protector in there, so they got to do a really good job keeping Orlando out of the paint. They're not the best defensive team already, and so this game is really going to come down, again, just like this game against the Wizards probably was going to, going to come down to whether Orlando can protect the ball, limit fast break points. The Wizards score eight fast break points in the game. The Magic didn't have any, but the Wizards score only eight fast break points in the game. They still have 60 points in the paint. Orlando did a lot of things wrong in this game against the Wizards. They just shot the ball really well. I don't think Orlando can rely on shooting the ball that well again. So this game is going to be really, I think, a lot about Orlando reestablishing their defense, cut, you know, cutting things off in the half court, defending the three-point line especially well because Devin Booker's a guy that can go off just like Bradley Beal can, and then using that to create offense for themselves. They should be able to score against Phoenix. Phoenix's defense is better than Washington's. Everyone's is. Um, but... They should be able to score if they play the way that they played in the first half of this game and move the ball and cut and do all those things. They have a little bit of a size advantage, I think, overall over Phoenix and their guards. So they should give them some problems. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll start with Evan Fournier on Devin Booker. It wouldn't surprise me if Aaron Gordon gets a turn on him as well if, if he gets going a little bit uh, or even even just as a, just to throw him a different look when, when it's time to throw him a different look. Um, but overall, I, I think this is a game the Magic can win even on a back-to-back. Um, feeling good about this win. If the Magic can play defense the way they played defense over the weekend, they certainly have a good chance to win this game. So the Magic tip off against the Suns at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But before we move on then to Wednesday, Tuesday was a a special night, a night worth reflecting a little bit on, at least for, for one player on the Orlando Magic. Markel Fultz opened his NBA career at home in his hometown against the Washington Wizards in 2017. He scored a pretty pedestrian 10 points, 5 for 9 shooting, just a solid game for a rookie in his first game. Maybe not first overall pick solid, but the Sixers didn't need that. They had Embiid. They had their guys in place. They, They were a pretty established team. Fultz was still playing a role. He wasn't expected to take over and, and transform the team overnight. The, Back then, the Suns were willing to be patient. Of course, that season did not go any way that was planned or thought of for a player of Fultz's caliber and talent. That season quickly went off the rails as he was hurt and missed almost the entire rest of the season, coming back at the very end for some spot minutes. 
The next season was, frankly, even worse. The shoulder injury, the wrist injury that kept him out developed into a shoulder injury that no one could seem to explain and you know, we all know what happened from there. For the first time then, since that opening game, Markel Fultz was home. It may not, it, it, you know, sometimes I think the, the homecoming thing's a little bit overblown, but it, it fits our narrative here today. Markel Fultz was back home in Washington, D.C., playing in front of friends and family, perhaps, playing in a place that he, you know, probably went to growing up or watched all the time on TV as he watched NBA basketball back in the Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Anton Jameson days of the Washington Wizards. It's probably a place that, that he always imagined playing in every single year. And, you know, two years of his NBA career were essentially taken from him. And as he stepped onto the court as a starter for the Orlando Magic, he passed a, a minor milestone, but one worth noting. For the first time in his NBA career, Markel Fultz had played 20 games in an NBA season. It's not merely that he hit that 20-game mark with the Orlando Magic. It's he played the first 20 games uninterrupted, no injury, no setbacks. As a starter of a playoff-caliber team, let's let's be real about that. Magic are eighth in the East right now, game and a half up on on ninth place Detroit and a game back of seventh place Brooklyn. Funny how funny how winning streak in the NBA change, in the Eastern Conference changes things pretty quickly. Marco Fultz had earned his place to some degree, to some extent. He's earned every minute that he's played for the Orlando Magic so far through his hard work in the offseason to get himself healthy and then on the practice court being better than all the other options the Magic have. And then he went out and had a career night. His first time scoring 20 points in a basketball game. A night after he dominated the fourth quarter against the Golden State Warriors, still helping his team deliver his team a win. In this game, he set the tone early, driving into the lane, scoring seemingly at will. And throughout the game from there on, putting his imprint on the game, whether it was by passing the ball, whether it was by driving, whether it was by scoring around the basket. Markel Fultz isn't a rookie. He's still sort of playing his rookie year. He's played only 53 total games across three seasons in the NBA. So hasn't even played a full season in the NBA yet. At least by, by total games. And Fultz stepped onto the court and just played basketball. The one thing Markel Fultz has said throughout this whole process is, I just want to play basketball. From another player, perhaps from a player with, with greater expectations, he might want a little bit more, but considering where Fultz came from to where he is today, going from where Fultz was to where he is today, Just playing basketball is all the Magic want him to do. All they want him to do is just go out there, play his game, help his team win, and let the chips fall where they may. This was always a season just to get him back into the groove. As I've often told everyone 
you know, I don't worry about a shot so much. I, I worry that he takes the shot. I want him to take that shot when it's open. I want to be willing to take the shot. But I don't worry so much about his stats a ton because this year's goal is to play. Next year's goal will, is skill development. Next summer is about skill development. This summer was about getting healthy and proving he could play again. But the big thing for Markel Fultz through 20 games is to be reminded of the joy of playing basketball. Here's a guy who honestly knows what it's like to have this game taken away from him. By no fault, no one's fault. Not because he wasn't good enough, not because of, of anything like that, because of a, a random happenstance of injury. The game was taken away from him. And now he's got it back. You can see as he plays, frankly, how happy he is and how focused and, and, and how much he treasures being on the court. You know, I, I, I think of it this way then. Yes, he was back in Washington, D.C., his hometown, where he grew up playing basketball for the first time in two years. But honestly, really, where he is at home is on that basketball court. Marco Fultz has found his home again. He's found that joy again. The Magic have been right to be very patient with his development, to be very patient with how he recovers from injury and making sure he is healthy because it is undeniable how talented he is. The Magic, and this was true even in the preseason when they watched him for the first, when we really got our first look at him. The Magic are a better team with Markel Fultz on the floor. And this is before he really starts to develop his skill, to be perfectly frank. Steve Clifford is absolutely right. He's going to be a lot better at game 50 than he is today at game 20. He's going to continue to get better and better and better. But for now, it's just good to have Markel Fultz back home on a basketball court where he belongs. And as exciting as it's been watching him play these, these 20 games so far, let's not forget how special and how precious that moment is for him. Because he is truly at home now. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Bean. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us as well on Twitter at OMagicDaily. That's going to do for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll have complete coverage of the Orlando Magic's game against the Phoenix Suns on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.